Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Glad that we can be here together. It is good for us to be here together. Good for us to be here together to fellowship with one another and to worship our God. If you're visiting with us today, thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Uh, We appreciate you. Appreciate you taking the time out of your day to start your week uh, with us here. If this is your first time visiting, we're so excited that you're here. would ask that you give us a little bit of time, especially if you're a a first-time visitor, to get to know you a little bit more uh, after services. If you've visited with us a, a lot, we're also thankful that you're here and glad that you are here with us again. Brothers and sisters, family here at JA. Uh, Always good to to be here with you. Uh, This morning we're continuing our series on the idea of being sanctified, where I am as a Christian and where I'm going. I want to share with you briefly as we begin a familiar passage, uh, but remind it and show it to us through the idea and the lens of sanctification. Again, if we are a Christian, if you are a Christian this morning, then you are sanctified, but you are also being sanctified. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says this, again, a familiar passage to many of us. For by grace, Christian, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. For we, Christians, are his, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Christians, you are saved by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus. Amen? We're saved by the blood of Jesus, the grace of God. And it's not according to any work that you've done. There's nothing that you can do to save yourself. God's grace is what has saved you. But we are made in Christ Jesus, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are sanctified and we are being sanctified. Yes, faith and works, there's a relationship there. But the the biggest and most important relationship is that our life is lived as a response to God's grace. If you're a Christian this morning, you are right in the sight of God. You are not perfect. You know that. Your family members know that. I know that. We all know that. You're not perfect. None of us are. But you're saved. Because you are relying upon, you are trusting in, you have faith in the grace of God through the blood of Jesus. And God now has expectations for you to live for Him. He has created you for good works, which He prepared beforehand. Even before perhaps the foundation of the world, he had some things that he wants you specifically to do. This morning we're talking about being sanctified and we've been going through a a series of how can I sanctify this area of my life? How can I sanctify that area of my life? And this morning we're talking about how can I sanctify my talent for God? Whatever God has allowed you to be good at, whatever gifts he has given to you, how can you use that specifically for God's glory. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 12 today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. Uh, this morning, if you don't have a copy of God's Word and don't have a phone with God's Word on it, there are some uh, black, black books on the book, the back of the pew in front of you. Uh, and Romans chapter 12 starts on page 947. Uh, so let's turn there. Whether you're on your phone, you're on your own copy, or grab that Bible in front of you, page 947. And let's look at Romans chapter 12. We all know, well, maybe not all of us, uh, but many of us know Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Talking about because of the mercies of God, let's present our lives as a living and holy sacrifice. That means if if I'm a Christian and I've relied upon the mercy of God, then I'm going to give my life everything that I do, not just here in this room, but outside with my family, at my home, in my job, on the road, or when I'm in the grocery store, wherever I'm at, my life is offered as a living and holy sacrifice because I'm sanctified. 
I'm being sanctified. Every aspect of my life, even my talents, certainly are a part of living, giving glory to God. And he says, do this, in verse 2, not being conformed to the world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. He says, Paul says, the apostle says, you will prove to the world how good God is by the life that you live. Or you'll disprove to the world how good you claim God is by the life that you live. We're sanctified. God has set us apart. He has set us apart for some specific things that he wants us to do. But we're really going to focus on this morning, uh, verses 3 through 21 of Romans chapter 12. And we'll look at uh, the first thing that we really want to do this morning is uh, to get the idea of getting our minds right. When I think about my talents, what are you good at? Uh, what, what talents, what abilities do you have? Maybe they're job related. Maybe they're not job related. Whatever it is that, that you are good at. Whatever that is for you, and this is, it's, a, it's really broad for us, but it's really specific for you, isn't it? There are some things that you are good at, and how can you use whatever it is that you are good at, whatever talent it is that you have, or talents that you have. Maybe you're a, a five-talent person, probably are, right? Whatever talents you have, how can you sanctify, how can you use, how can you set those things apart specifically for God? And we really want to get our minds right, and I think that's what Paul is doing when he says in verses 1 and 2, hey... Live your life as a living and holy sacrifice. Your life is a sacrifice to God. It's an act of worship to God in that way. But then in verse 3, notice what he says. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to each one among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound thinking as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. First of all, let's think about the idea that the world would say, and it's very, it's the easiest thing to do when you think about your talent, when I think about my talent, whatever they are, the easiest thing to do is look at my talents for my glory. My talents for my glory. I'm good at this. You should be impressed by what I'm doing. You're good at that. People should be impressed by what you're doing and they should look to you and say, hey, if you want somebody who's really good at that, go talk to this person. And you should say, yeah, that's right. I am really good at that. And we want to get our minds right. And this is not something that is surprising to those of us who have been Christians, but the act of actually living this way is a little more difficult than knowing this is the way we ought to live. That's kind of how most Christianity is, right? God has told us what he expects of us. We have a pretty firm understanding of what God wants from us. And the understanding of it is not the hard part. The doing of it is the hard part. And God says, hey, your talents can't just be for your glory. Notice what the Apostle Paul says, uh, starting in verse 4 and following. And it's going to be, instead of my talents for my glory, listen, here's what it is. A long passage here talking about me, talking about us, talking about God. It's going to be my talent for our good and God's glory. You hear me? My talent, your talent, for our good and God's glory. So instead of my talent for my glory, it's my talent for our good and God's glory. Verse 3, it says, verse 4, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of it. But having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Okay, so we'll stop there and talk about some gifts here in a second. But again, it's, it's my talent... Yes, God has, has made you good at something. Now, you still may be figuring out what that is. But God has made you good at something. God has given you a, a, a talent or an ability or a, a desire or a passion that you have the ability to become better at. Maybe you're already just a natural at it. But God has given you 
the opportunity and what you need in your life mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually to be good at something, probably many things. And instead of me using it for my glory only, he says, hey, look, we, just like you look at your body, we have many members of my body and they all have to work together. So also we as the church are one body in Christ, but we are many members. And this is common language in the Bible, right? Especially the New Testament. Jesus is the head of his body, the church. We all have one body. In Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse 16, it talks about how when the body, talking about the church, but using that same analogy, when the body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies causes the growth of the body. What that means is when we think about sanctifying our talents, that means the church needs you. Whatever your talent is, no matter how common you think it is or how extraordinary you think it is, God has made it where we need you. Because if the, the, each individual member is not doing their part, then the body will not grow the way that it's supposed to. Now, I don't, I don't know the name of any particular medical condition, but we've all heard of various medical conditions where this part of the body doesn't function right or that part of the body doesn't function right. And when part of the body doesn't function right, then the whole body doesn't function right. Well, that is what happens in the church too. When our children don't function right, then the body suffers. When our retirees don't function right, then the body suffers. When our elders don't function right, or the preacher doesn't function right, or our Bible class teachers don't function right, then the body suffers. Whatever your talent is, when when the people who are talented with what you're talented with don't function right, then the body suffers because it doesn't grow the right way. God has made it where everyone is needed. Listen, we may have different talents We may have different abilities. We may have different roles. Remember, the fingers are not toes. The toes are not a tongue. The tongue are not eyes. Eyes are not ears. But they're all equally needed. Do you hear me? Whatever your talent is, you are equally needed in the body. It may be different. It may be a different role, a different situation, a different circumstance, how God has blessed you according to the grace that he has given to you. That's how Paul puts it. But you're all equally, we are all equally needed needed nobody's more important than anybody else nobody's less important than anybody else we are all under the direction of one head the gospel jesus and the good news of him and his life and his ruler rulership in our life so we have uh, not my talents for my glory but my talents for our good collectively and certainly my talent for god's glory now in verse six and following he talks to, begins to talk about some specific things that <clears throat> oftentimes when i think about we we uh, hear this idea of, of spiritual gifts or, or that sort of thing or, or talents or, or abilities and that sort of thing. When we read the New Testament, we automatically just go to those, uh, those miraculous things. You know, the ability to, to speak in tongues, the ability to make the lame walk or the mute speak or the blind see and th- those types of things. And certainly amazing things that were able to have been done by the apostles and others in the, in the first century. Uh, but this list has, has nothing to do with miraculous things. Okay, they're... they're, they're Prophecy is the only one that is mentioned that, that perhaps could have been something that was a little different in the New Testament. Prophecy still exists today. All prophecy is is proclaiming the word of God. So you can be a prophet today by proclaiming the word of God. Okay? That's, there's nothing miraculous about that. There's no new revelation, but it's just proclaiming the word of God today. So when we read this list, they're going to sound rather mundane. 
They're going to sound rather kind of, kind of boring, kind of normal, nothing, nothing special about them, but let's recognize a few things before we get to the list, okay? First of all, God has given to it to you, whatever it is. According to the grace given you, God has given you this talent. I'm not going to laugh at a, a gift given by God and say that it's insignificant. It's not mundane, it's not normal, it's significant. Whatever God has given to you is from God. And every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. It's a good thing, whatever you're good at. It's a good thing God has given that gift to you, okay? And, and when we think about these things, um, if we do them to the extent that God would have us to, they are not mundane, they are in some ways miraculous. Not miraculous in a sense where they break the laws of physics or break the laws of nature or that sort of thing, but, but if we were to live these types of lives the world around us would change almost in a miraculous way. People would change, hearts would change, minds would change. Perhaps even people would be saved. So we'll read this list and they almost sound like mundane things. But in many ways, if we would live these things out in our lives the way God would have us to, they would change the world around us. Okay, verse 6. But having gifts, okay, all of us having gifts that differ according to the grace given, God has given these things to you, whether prophecy Okay, so if you're a prophet, if you're someone who's going to proclaim the word of God in agreement with the faith, verse 7, or in service in his serving, or he who teaches in teaching, or in he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with generosity, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, none of those things, again, sometimes I think we, we, almost, we almost check out and say, okay, well, he's talking about spiritual gifts, he's talking about things like that, those kinds of things don't happen anymore. There's nothing in that list that's not supposed to happen today. There's nothing in that list that God hasn't given you, someone in here, many of us in here, these spiritual, godly, divine gifts. You are good at something. And God expects you to sanctify whatever that is for our good to cause the growing of the body of Christ, more people to become Christians, more people to be in heaven because of what you do and the way you let you use your talents and for God's glory. Verse number nine can, can kind of continues the conversation. Let love be without hypocrisy. How do we do that? By abhorring what is evil and clinging to what is good. And here's this, this good for us, this for our good. Verse 10, being devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, but being fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in affliction, being devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, and pursuing hospitality. Again, these things, these talents, are supposed to be greater than mediocre. These are not supposed to be just, yeah, I'm okay at that. Yeah, that's not really all that important. No, you are supposed to, we are supposed to excel at these things. These are things that... Each of these things we talked about are things that the world can do, right? These are things that the world can do. But these are things that we are supposed to do to an either, even greater extent. Let's, let's go through the list really quickly and just, just briefly talk about these things, okay? Again, uh, whether prophecy, what, what does it look like is what I'm asking here. What does it look like for you to sanctify your talent? We're going to use this list. I believe probably maybe most of us, perhaps all of us have at least some inkling to do some of these talents that are listed here maybe there's other talents that you've got certainly but let's talk, talk about these as, as we begin okay uh if you're gonna if you're gonna preach if you're gonna prophesy if you're gonna teach the word of god do it in agreement with the faith hey i don't want to hear your ideas about things necessarily i want to hear what god says and how that applies to my life okay do it in agreement with the faith if you're going to be someone who's going to uh, pr- proclaim the word of god do it in the right way that one's pretty simple uh number seven 
verse 7, uh, in, or in service in his serving. How, how much easier can you get, right? If you're going to serve, serve. If you're going to serve, you're going to be a servant for someone, whatever that looks like in your life. If you're good at serving, and, and listen, some of us aren't good at serving. We're not great at that. Now, that's something all of us are supposed to grow in because Jesus said, you know, if I washed your feet, you should wash other, feet, 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 other people's feet too. We need to be good at serving. And if you're going to commit yourself to serving, uh, then do that. He who teaches and is teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation. When I thought about this one today and wanting to, to look at what does that look like, uh, David Fox is great at exhortation. He loves to, to spur people on, okay? Uh, we call him in the office. He's our, he's our Barabbas. Barabbas, not Barnabas. Remember who Barabbas is, right? Barabbas is the, the, the guy who's in prison who gets off the cross because of Jesus taking his spot, right? We call him our Barabbas, but he's really our Barnabas. He's someone who, who stirs us on. He encourages us. You know, Barnabas is that guy who takes the apostle Paul and, and encourages him when no one else wants to have anything to do with Paul. And he encourages him. He's the, the son of encouragement. If you're, if you're good at that, then do it with, z- with zest. Do it with gusto. Do it, do it great. If you're going to exhort someone, encourage someone, correct someone, love someone, then do it that way. He who gives with generosity. J.A., that's one thing that you're good at. When we had Mission Sunday, we raised $45,000 plus because you believe in that mission. Some of us are talented or blessed with the ability to be generous. Well, some of us aren't blessed with that ability. But if you are, then be generous. If you're going to be generous, if, you're gonna, if your ability, your talent, if the opportunity has been given to you to be able to, to give, then do it generously. When you give, do it generously. Uh, it says, he who leads with diligence. It means, and also go back to verse 11, not lagging behind in diligence. What does that mean? That word diligence means you've got to try. You've got to try hard. It's not going to come naturally all the time. It's not going to be easy all the time. But whatever it is you're going to do, do it with all of your might. Do it with all of your might for the glory of God. And then I love this last one in verse 8. Look at it if you're you're not already. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I would like to say say it this way. I think that 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 one to me kind of summarizes the whole idea of what it means to to sanctify our talents for God. He who gives mercy with cheerfulness. Now what's mercy? Okay, mercy and grace are related, right? Grace is getting something good that you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting something bad that you do deserve. You're guilty. You deserve punishment. Mercy is you don't get that punishment, okay? Now, those who give mercy do it with cheerfulness. What do you think about when when you hear that word cheerful? What do you think? I think somebody who's smiling, somebody who's happy, somebody who's joyous. When's the last time that you were merciful and cheerful at the same time? Usually when we're merciful, we're like, well, you know, you really deserve to get... But because I'm so awesome, I'm going to let you pass. That's not the picture of biblical mercy. If you're going to be merciful to someone, do it cheerfully. Now, I don't even know if I fully wrap my mind around how you do that. But I can tell the difference in my mind. I can think about the difference between someone being merciful to me and kind of rubbing my nose in it. Hey, I'm not going to punish you this time. This time, right? Versus someone who is cheerful about being merciful. And when we think about this, this list or whatever your talent is, think about that picture. Not that you're doing it grudgingly, not that you're doing it out of obligation, not that you're doing it because you feel like you have to or you should or it's the right thing to do, but because you want to. 
I want to use whatever God has given to me for our good and his glory. I want to bring glory to God by the things that I do in my life. God has made me good at this. How can I use this to bring glory to God? How can I use this to make the world around me better? How can I use this to help the church grow? We have sanctified, we have set apart whatever it is God has given to us and said, God, this is for you. Show me how. Show me how I can do this. Whatever it is that you're talented in, and all of us are talented in something, and no matter what age you are or what talent level you are, there's still the expectation that your talents belong to God because God is the one who has given them to you. Look at verses 14 and following, and notice the the difference that it makes. When we use these talents and abilities and we use them for for our good and God's glory, we also help to, to perhaps even change the world. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Well, how do I do that? How do I get to that point in my life? Verse 16, by being of the same mind, continuing to toward one another, not being haughty in mind, but associating with the humble. Do not be wise in your own mind. Verses 14 through 16, how do I bless those who persecute me? How do I pray for them? How do I, I love my enemies? How do I rejoice with those who are rejoicing? Weep with those who weep. Well, who are the people in your life Who are the people in your life that you rejoice when they rejoice and you weep when they weep? It's people you love. It's people you care about. It's people you have a relationship with. How in the world am I going to to do this to to bless those who persecute me and and, and that that sort of thing? I'm going to have some sort of relationship with them. I'm going to be of the same mind. I'm I'm going to associate with them. Even though we may have differences of opinion or differences of, of whatever else it might be, I'm going to associate with them and have this care and concern from them. I'm going to use my talent for their good. Verse 17, never paying back evil for evil to anyone, respecting what is good in the sight of all men, if possible, so far as it depends on you, Christian, as much as you can do it, to the extent that you can do it with diligence, be at peace with all men, never taking your own revenge, beloved. Instead, leave room for the wrath of God. It's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. You'll bless him. And then verse 21, instead of my talents, instead of being overwhelmed by evil or overwhelmed by stress or overwhelmed by the world or overwhelmed by anxiety or overwhelmed by all the things that are in the world, I'm going to use my talents to overcome evil. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What does this look like? We get our mind right. And this is something that that all of us have to work on. Young folks, old folks, everybody in the middle. Get our mind right. My talents are not for my glory. My talents are for our good and for God's glory. For our good, the church, and for our good, the world. Let's see what we can do to help people around us because that's the example that Jesus sets for us time and time again that we will use the opportunities to serve people around him. We get our mind right. You find your talent I don't know what you're good at. I don't know what you're good at. Half the time I don't know what I'm good at. Okay? But find your talent. And then be talented in it. Work at it. Get better at it. God has given you a gift. God has given you a gift. What a waste not to use it. 
for our good and his glory. Figure out what are you talented in and then be talented in it. And yes, maybe the, maybe the most difficult part is, okay, well, how can I use that talent, the thing that I'm good at it, how can I use that in the church? How can I use that in my faith? How can I use it in my life to bring glory to God? Well, stop and think about it. And if you need help, ask people about it. But get your mind right, find your talented, be talented, and change the world. And maybe, maybe more importantly than changing the world, change someone's eternity. Let the good that you can do with whatever talent that God has given to you, let people see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Figure it out and then do it with all of your might. What does it look like? Here's some specific examples. Sorry to embarrass some specific people. Maybe it's business owners shining a light in the world around them. Not just having a business, not just making money, not just having a profit, not just running a company, but bringing glory to God by their actions and their example. Maybe it's hospitality. Have you ever met Mae Fowler? She's really good at hospitality. She'd be a great one to look to and to consider how I can be better at hospitality. The generosity of so many of you. I've already mentioned uh, Mission Sunday. And any time and every time, even in just the time that I've been here, but I've, it's been going a lot longer than since I've been here. Anytime there's a need, anytime there's a call for help, you answer it. So many of you are blessed with the opportunity to give and you do it generously. Continue to do so. Maybe it's our Bible class teachers, our adult teachers who have to study and prepare and make sure they, they know what they're talking about and really understand and want to proclaim God's word well. Maybe it's our uh, teenage teachers or our uh, teacher of our children that maybe they have to study and prepare, but really they need just patience, right, uh, to be able to teach the, the kids and the teenagers sometimes. Love you, teens. Uh, but maybe maybe that's that's a talent that, that you've got to, uh, to be able to do that type of thing. What does it look like in our lives? Maybe it's uh, guys like Ryan Risher, uh, who, of course, he's, he's in real estate, so he, he wants to point out to people how great Cookville is. And I'm glad that he does that, and I agree with him most of the time when he talks about how great Cookville is. But you know what he all, all, often does? And along the comments of how great Cookville is, he often, often says, hey, and I'm a part of a great church in Cookville, and I'd love for you to be a part of it. What a simple, easy thing to do that might make an eternity eternity's worth of difference. What about guys like Austin Lane? I don't know what Austin's all good at. He's got computer stuff. I don't know, understand all that stuff. And we, we probably would not, would not have appreciated this town as much a, a few years ago. But once COVID hit and we had to, to go live stream, Austin Lane is upstairs in the balcony every Sunday running our live stream. What about a talent like that? What does it look like for you to use the talent that God has given to you for the good of the church, the good of the world, and the glory of God? What does it look like? What's your talent? You know, I don't know what your talent is. But you do. You know what you're good at. You know how you can bring glory to God. You know how you, maybe you don't know how you can bring glory to God yet, but figure out what your talent is and then stop and think about how can I use this for God's glory? God has given you, he has made you good at something. And he's created you in Christ Jesus for good works. Let's go back to that verse real quick again, one more time as we close. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. This is for Christians. If you're a Christian this morning, it's for you. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works so that no one may boast. For we are all his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God has saved you from your sins. God has given you a talent or ability and he has created you in Christ Jesus for good works. In your life, with your talent, ask yourself this one question. What did I do this last week with what I'm good at that bring glory to God? Or did it bring glory to me? Was it my talent, my glory? The challenge for us today is figure out what your talent is and figure out how you can use it to help this church, help this community, and to glorify God. You know what that talent is. Now again, as I said in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, Christians are saved by grace through faith. If you're not a Christian this morning, then you don't have that promise yet. God has created some good works for you to do, but you haven't taken advantage of those yet because you're not a Christian and and you're not qualified because of that to, to do those things yet. But God has made it possible where you could be. And here's a simple, quick way the Bible teaches us to become Christians. Everyone who's ever been a Christian, everyone in this room who's a Christian, everyone outside this room who's a Christian, everyone who's ever lived who's ever been a Christian has done these things. They have heard the message of Jesus Christ. That God, the Son, came down to this earth, put on flesh, lived a perfect life, died a horrible death, and resurrected miraculously. He came back to life after shedding his blood on the cross and dying. If you believe that, then that can lead to righteousness. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says this, that believing in the resurrection of Jesus leads us to righteousness. If you believe that and you're willing to confess Jesus as your Lord, say that he's in charge of your life, then that leads to salvation. Again, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. So if you believe in the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're willing to confess that with your, mouth and na- with your mouth and name him as your Lord, then you can submit to baptism where all of your sins can be washed away. And you can begin this new life where you have a purpose. And yes, you've got to ask yourself some questions. You've got to figure out some details, but your purpose is to use your talent for the good of everyone around you, for the growth of the church, and for the glory of God. Are you a Christian this morning? Then simply put, you've got work to do. No matter what age you are, no matter what your talent is. If you're not a Christian this morning, then you're lost in your sin. You're separated from God, but God has made a way for you to be saved. If you want to know more about that, if you want to look at what God's Word says about that, I want to look at that with you. And so many other people do here too. If you have any needs this morning, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.